0: Today's program was brought to you by Mood Magazine, a new international quarterly publication about music and food. For more information, visit moodmusicfood.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We're talking about food. Food.
1: We're talking about music. The musical dudes, dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky
2: tunes. Dad's been shucking dozens since '42. Iron tub ice down full of Falstaff brew. Black had a son, Bobby Charles called blue. Catholic church bells tolled the Louisiana Blue. Oyster rake scraping down Grand Isle Way Don't get no more salty than Barataria Bay A hundred years my family's done it this way Some folks call it work, but it's just another day And in life there's always love. Comes into your heart from up above. Gather my dreams and put them out to sea. Gulf stream and I'm free. Politicians, trappers, priests, and more have all through these double French doors. I was so busy just trying to keep their glasses full. Folks laughing, drinking, just shooting the bulls. A million parish sunsets across my bow. Just slipped off the edge, and I don't know how. I turn the key in the lock and close up shop. The owl flies round the old steeple's clock. And in life, there's always love comes into your heart from up above. Gather my dreams and put them out to sea. Gulf stream and I'm free. The neon light gently taps me on the shoulder And the ice in the glass melts under the whiskey that I pour The salt in the air from the storm off the coast As I pull from my glass and offer up this toast It's been a good run, it's been a good haul. My nets are full, time to pull in my trawl. Mais à me, ma famille, especial pour mon père. Que te fille, so I plan to free the man. And in life there's always love Comes into your heart from up above Gather my dreams and put them out to sea Gulf stream and now I'm free
3: Alright, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. The other half, Greg, is in London. That song goes out to Lou Reed and his friends and family. He passed away today. A bit of a shock to everyone. I know normally we start the show off with the song from the band, which is the see-through, but we sort of just decided just to go with that. So... Sundays, am I right? Uh, Everything has been good. It's been a crazy time in the food world. Uh, Big shout out to New York Food and Wine. And thank you so much for having me at the Sean Brock dinner. It was incredible. His food is amazing. And to all the other chefs who were there. um, If he's ever in town and you want to eat one of the best meals ever, get with him. And then a shout out to the Food Film Festival guys who uh, are at it again this year. They have their big closing party tonight. Hopefully, I'm going to make it over. Um, Just a crazy, my favorite time in New York to do events, that uh, September to Thanksgiving run. It's crazy. I want to welcome Charlotte Druckmann uh, back to Heritage Radio. Um, I think you were on another show. Uh, uh, Yes? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. just grab right at the mic, there we go
4: um, I was, I was on Ladies' show earlier this week Because um, Melanie Dunay, my great friend And very talented photographer and artist Invited me to come on with her So I didn't really know what I was doing I just kind of showed up and played along How did it go? Um, it was fun, Melanie and I cracked ourselves up So I'm not sure if that constitutes a successful radio show But we had fun
3: So, Charlotte, you are a writer, correct?
4: Well, kind of. Recovering writer. I'm an editor now, which doesn't mean I'll ever stop writing, really. Recovering
3: writer? What does that mean? Yeah.
4: um, I spent seven years as a freelance writer, journalist, covering food mostly, and then... At the end of March, I started working as an editor at Medium, which is the new publishing platform from the co-founders of Twitter.
3: All right, so before we get into your food writing, um, what's Medium like? It's a really cool website.
4: Yeah, thank you. It's... it's often hard to say what it's like because it's still being built as I speak and literally right
3: now. Yeah. It, on a Sunday uh, afternoon.
4: it, yes, probably. I mean, I imagine some of the engineers are probably at a desk somewhere tooling around and having fun with new ideas and features. Um, the cool thing about it is that it continues to change and it changes on based on ideas that we have within medium, but then also how we see people using it. Um, which I like, I like that it's not fixed. Um, coming from publishing, traditional publishing, everything is so set beforehand. It's really cool to be in such a fluid environment for ideas.
3: So how did you uh, first get started in writing and editing and publishing? When did the bug bite you? Were you putting out like little magazines when you were a toddler or <laughs> later on in life? Now,
4: you know, first I actually wanted to be a singer and then I got stage fright, so um, I think probably high school. High school it started. My obsession with um, magazines. I was the co-editor-in-chief of my school newspaper. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah, Yeah, totally dorky and awesome. Um, And it was, was, I actually grew up in in New York City and I went to an all-girls school called Brearley and our newspaper is called The Zephyr. Love you, The Zephyr. So, Um, Yeah, but really, I really loved magazines. I mean, I appreciated newspapers, but I loved magazines, like really loved them. And I started interning at magazines as a high school uh, senior.
3: What were you reading at that time?
4: Um, I was reading W. Mm -hmm. W has changed a lot, but at that time, W seemed very avant-garde to me. I was reading Vogue, obviously. I was reading things like Sassy... Um, R.I.P.
3: sassy. Yeah,
4: R.I.P. But I feel like people have sort of, you know, carried that on recently. You've seen people kind of try and bring it back. Um, I was reading Seventeen. I was reading Gourmet, religiously. Um, I would just take whatever my mom was reading, basically, and steal it. That was, you know, some Vanity Fair thrown in. New York Magazine, which is where I interned as a senior in high school. Um,
3: what was that like? Yeah. What was it like interning a in high school
4: it was insane I mean that was actually you know you talk about the sort of rarefied world of of New York City and growing up in New York City and that was like total nepotism I had a most awesome extraordinary wonderful cousin who she's almost more like my great aunt and she was kind of running the office as Ed Kozner's special assistant person. Wow. Um and so that was when you saw a lot of people, um, like Jeanette Walls was still there who's now gone on to write all of these beautiful memoirs. Um it was back in the day when like Michael Gross was still there, Corky Pollen was still doing, you know, all of the like best bet stuff. So, so good. It was pretty cool to be around all of that.
3: And how did you I mean, I don't even think it's legal now to do high school internships.
4: Probably not.
3: It's so tight these days. Yeah. Like, it's so regimenting.
4: Yeah. There's a lot of sort of, are you getting paid or are you getting school credit? Uh, there yeah. was none of that going on.
3: No. no. like. And were you uh, writing or were you, like, getting coffee and making copies? No,
4: I was doing all sorts of odd jobs. Everything from, like, fielding the calls of angry readers. Oh,
3: my God. Give us the best one. <laughs>
4: Actually, this is a really upsetting one. There was a famous cover story of the of New York Magazine about an African American. I think he was a lawyer. He he was really really accomplished, and he went back to work sort of under cover as um, a waiter at an all-white country club, and he wrote about the experience. Oh,
3: yeah. That's a famous... That's super famous. Yeah,
4: and um, we got all sorts of backlash about that story, mostly from racists and just, like, you can imagine the crazies that call in, and no one had really prepared me for that. It was whoever was supposed to man the phones that day was off, and they were like, can you just take these people? And, you know, I don't really think you want a high school student like dealing with that stuff. So I remember having one woman call and just using so many horrible racial slurs and knowing on the one hand that you're supposed to be polite and always nice to the readers and on the other hand being so kind of like emotionally riled up and telling her that I thought her, her best bet was um, to send in a letter to the editor and while she was at it I thought she should try using the term African American if she wanted to be taken seriously in her note. Wow. That was probably my best, my best, you know, quiet protest um, to the public crazies. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's the thing about New York. Uh, public crazies interaction is at a whole new level here. Yeah. Um, so when did you get interested in food? So you're, you're writing in high school.
5: Yeah.
4: I was always, always interested in food. My family is, uh, both sides of my family are pretty food fixated. Where are they from? Um, Also from New York, my dad was was born and raised on the island of Manhattan. Um, My mom grew up in Westchester, in Larchmont. Um, So my mom's a great cook, and my dad is a great, passionate eater, and I Ah. call him the OG, original gourmand. Um, And so I grew up with also very curious parents who were always trying new restaurants and were willing to go anywhere to try them. So that was, a you know, as a kid that sort of sense of curiosity um, and not realizing they would my dad would get in the car and drive us down to the Odeon on Sunday nights and I had no idea what that meant I just knew that they had really good hamburgers and fries and they had crayons on the table at that time so I thought it was like a super cool place to go Um, so I was interested in it always I just never thought about writing about it because I always thought that you had to sort of like Go to school and train and be very academic about whatever it was you chose to do, writing or otherwise, and food almost seemed too obvious, if that makes any sense. Um, Yeah. So I didn't think about it, but I loved reading food writing. And then once, I worked at a bunch of magazines, and then once I went freelance, and I started thinking, wow, as long as I pitch a good story, I could write about anything. Yeah. And I started writing about food, and I had a better time, but also I felt like my writing improved when I started writing about food. So that was kind of like what clicked.
3: What was me. your first big pitch?
4: Um, wow, that's a hard thing to say, because when you're on staff, you're also pitching things. But as, as a freelance writer, there are probably two... One of them was not a food piece. It was for um, Tea, the New York Times Style Magazine, but it ended up running in the New York Times Sunday Magazine. And it was about the possibility that tap water could be bad for your skin, which I just t- thought was so absurd, but also fascinating at the same time. And I love stories like that. Where was that
3: the Dasani lob- lobby trying to...
4: No, it was... Um, this this dermatologist who has his own you know skincare line I guess they all do now named Dennis Gross and then also um, that Jonathan Anton guy do you guys remember he had like his own Bravo show and he had decided that the water was not good for anyone's hair so he was coming up with special products that like protected your hair from the tap water by putting special filters in the tap. It was kind of, the whole point is, I mean, that's the one thing in this country, at least, that we all have some kind of like democratic access to, right, is the tap right. water. So as soon as someone's, I mean, that's like the possibly the biggest marketing scam in history. So I just thought it was so um, delightfully absurd, basically. Um, and then the other story was a, a story that I pitched blindly. I did not know. Ruth Reichel, I just adored gourmet and I blind pitched a story to her um, about a chef in Paris that I really wanted to write about and she responded right away which not everyone does and she responded with a yes which of course is even more rare oh, and I, uh, that was like what chef? A dream come true. His name is uh, Claude Colliot and he's still there and he is one of few um, really well respected and by his peers uh, chefs in France, who did not go to culinary school, and there mm-hmm. to not have done that and be to reach a certain level of success is is pretty much unheard of.
3: Shadow's restaurant name?
4: Um, it's actually his. It's eponymous. It's it's called it's called uh, Claude Colliot, and it's in the Marais. Um, and I love it. And it turns out this is completely random because he's the sweetest, sort of humblest person ever. But uh, Marion Cotillard is like his best friend and ended up backing this restaurant, so I think that that's been quite helpful. At the time I wrote about him, he had had a restaurant, and he had lost his lease, and in Paris, there's this really ridiculous rule, it's like a non-compete with yourself, that if you have been working at or even owned a restaurant in a certain neighborhood, you cannot go work at or open another restaurant within a certain radius. I mean, even though your restaurant is closed and it's, and you're not competing with right, anyone but right. you. So he at that point was out of a job and he was doing um, a lot of catering. And he also did all of the food for um, Sophia Coppola's film, Marie Antoinette. He did a lot of the okay. that food styling. So, um, and then he ended up opening this restaurant, which is wonderful with Marion and which that turned out pretty well for him.
3: Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take another uh, musical break, and then we're going to come back and talk about your book, uh, Skirt Steak. Yeah? <laughs> well, what's that face?
4: No, no, no. Yes, we can talk about it tonight. Well,
3: have you just lived and breathed it so much you're sort of...
4: Kind. Of. Well, we'll t- we can talk about it.
0: what's mood mood is a quarterly magazine about music and food for its creators not many things can beat a good record and a delicious meal maybe a well-written story or a gorgeous photo well that's all in mood the magazine looks at music and food in a cohesive and unique way with a keen eye to design and high quality writing its contributors are located around the globe and the stories span accordingly check it out today at moodmusicfood.com That's moodmusicfood.com
3: Alright, food and music. What a great idea. Who, uh, who would ever think to do that? Uh, shout out to Mood. Thanks for keeping us on the air. Uh, we have Charlotte Druckman, lifelong New Yorker, in studio coming back for a second segment. Uh, so you wrote a book all about women and food called Skirt steak. How'd you get the idea?
4: Um I got the idea before after the high school college obsession with magazines and stuff. Um I took a little detour uh to graduate school for art history and I'm a lapsed PhD candidate in art history that I so I don't really use that at all. Except that there is a pretty legendary um essay that an art historian named Linda Nochlin wrote um, called Why Are There No Great Women Artists and it's called that like totally rhetor- rhetorical question and the whole point of this essay was that we asked dumb questions like that that set up <laughs> a certain problem um, and it just stuck with me not so much the women's thing but just um, I think a uh, in terms of theory, cause I was always very interested in like theory and criticism. And I was working at food and wine magazine and you know, I know it's been said before, but you tend not to see a lot of women, best new chefs. Um, right. And I was working there and I wasn't working on best new chefs, but I saw how hard women, cause it was mostly women, um, editors, really smart women were working on that issue. And, um, how much research and intelligence went into finding the best new chefs and how hard it was for them to find women. And I thought, that's weird. Why is that? It's not because they're not out there. It's not because these editors aren't looking for them. I think it might be the criteria. And it reminded me of this essay that Linda Nocklin wrote. And that was, like, when I first started getting the the little bee in my bonnet about it. Um, And then it just, I don't know, the more that you saw kind of like food network stuff blow up, the more it just sat, kind of, and I couldn't shake it. And I wrote an article for Gastronomica that used that essay sort of as the framework for changing the conversation to be about chefs. And Then I ended up doing the book more because the article was about me kind of questioning the media's role in all of it because I felt responsible as being you know part of the media, and um, I got some comments back from chefs saying, "Well, I wish you would ask the chefs themselves." And I thought the reason I didn't is that how many times can you have that dumb conversation? Where are all the women? I mean, it's like every few years someone has it. but I thought, well, if I could try and do that in a different way and start asking different questions and change the conversation, then maybe I would be on to something. And the interesting thing when you first said we were going to talk about the book and I kind of, like, made a face, <laughs> it's just that I didn't want to be the spokesperson for, like, uh, kind of women in the culinary industry. It's, it's actually not something I tend to dwell on particularly, I would say, or feminist issues. Um, it's more that I like to ask questions and I pretty much always champion underdogs, so I hoped I would kind of write the book and then other people would keep talking about it, not me, Um, but... I think we live in a world where people like to find one person to be an expert, and then they just keep going back to that person. So that's why you see
3: me. <laughs> that's why you see you. Me, up. like
4: pulling a face, rolling my eyes, making you know groaning sounds about it. As I'm actually, you know, I'm happy that I did the book, and I hope that it does a lot of good. But I would also like to see people asking other women about it, and and having the chef speak up, and and not having to be the one that that does it.
3: So what were some of your favorite anecdotes about the story, about the book, uh, that you like in the book and everything?
4: Well, getting to meet, you know, I interviewed 73 women to do it, um, and honestly getting to meet all of them, and it's very corny to say, but I have tried to keep in touch with as many of them as possible, and um, I'll have dinners with them from time to time. I like to bring them together, like in groups. Um, So I think that the friendships that came out of that book actually have probably been the coolest thing, if I'm being selfish about it, like, that's just (laughs) been a great perk. Um, And, you know, getting to meet people that you thought of as being kind of heroes, or just, you know, it's pretty great. I think any food writer would tell you that getting to sit down with Alice Waters is an honor, and, you know, makes you feel pretty good about stuff. So, that, yeah.
3: I think it's, uh... It's great to have all those stories together and for you to get into it. Um, will there be a sequel?
4: I don't think so. I, just, I mean, someone else could write the sequel. Right. You know? I don't... Also, it's like, again, it's like you just don't... You hope that we don't keep having to talk about this. I'd rather move on and talk about some other disenfranchised group at this point. <laughs> it's just, you know... Like, kind of been there, done that.
3: So then, what do you have? What's coming up next? What what can people expect uh, from you? I know you said you're editing, yeah, but any side pieces of writing that you you just well, can't ignore?
4: I am. I am going to. I just. Um, ha ha. <laughs> now that I just said that, I just uh, gave a presentation um, in um, Oxford, Mississippi, for the SFA symposium because John T. Edge, who. You should never say no to if he asks you to do something because it's going to be worthwhile, I think. Um, This is a great experience. He asked me to talk about women chefs of the South. Why? Because I wrote a book about women chefs. Right, right. Um, And I had not spent a lot of time in the South, and so I was really happy to do it. And I invited Melanie Dunay, um, the photographer, to come and shoot with me because my whole thing was I wanted to meet the women that I talked about. So we went on a road trip, and we're still friends, which I think is a great testament to something. Thing. Yeah. Um, We took a road trip, and uh, I interviewed 12 chefs, and she photographed them. And then we did this cool presentation, and that's going to be... I'm going to publish my talk, actually an expanded version of it, with all of the photographs on Medium. But really, it's the cool thing for me now is that I get to help other people tell stories. So a lot of the people that I thought should have been having a voice in magazines... You know, where, or wherever I worked before, I can now reach out to them and say, I want you to have a chance to tell your story, whether they're professional writers or not. Um, I want to help them do that. And that's what I'm getting to do on Medium. And that's pretty amazing.
3: That is amazing. Well, charlotte, I want to thank you so much. How can people find you on the internet?
4: Um, you can email me at charlotte if you want to pitch any sort of long form, in depth story. You can find me on Twitter. I'm set. Drux like the French article set, and then so c e t t e drux d r u c k s like Sam at set drugs. Um and otherwise just just read Medium and have fun with it. And actually, we just as of like three days ago opened up the platform, so you can and now anyone can write on it without even getting invited. So go on Amazing. Medium, join, write something, and publish it.
3: Amazing. Well, thank you so much.
4: Thanks for having me. Really
3: excited. We got uh, Brandon Hoy swinging in next. Uh, Talking about the Roberta's cookbook Whose release party is happening On the other side of the shipping container Uh, This is another tribute To Lou Reed Uh, On our 8th show Moby came by And did a cover and had Greg and I do backup vocals And I don't think we've played it since So here you go So this is, everyone has to
6: sing along in the choruses Okay Okay. Holly came from Miami F.L.A. Jacked her way across the U.S.A. Plucked her eyebrows on the way Later on said he was a she She said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side We said, hey sugar, take a walk on the wild side Candy came from out on the island in the back room she was everybody's darling but she never lost her head even when she was giving head she said hey babe take a walk on the wild side she said hey sugar take a walk on the wild side and everybody here sings do 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 He never once gave it away Everybody had to pay and pay A hustle here, a hustle there New York City is the place where we say, hey, babe Take a walk on the wild side We say, hey, sugar Take a walk on the wild side And background vocals from everybody again Go, do do doo-doo, doo, 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 doo doo d do, d do, d
3: Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. That was just a little uh Moby and actually us covering Lou Reed. Uh Brandon, welcome Excellent. back to, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Congratulations. Yeah, it's so good to be back. Uh how's it feel to give birth to this cookbook?
7: it, it was it's odd because it's got four sharp corners, Ooh. so kind of tore me up
3: tore you up real good
7: so uh i'm glad it's out i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad the making part the the creative process is over of it and now just getting to see it you know in action live and in action
3: so for those uh who don't know uh heritage radio network is nestled in the bosom of robertas which is it's kind of like tucked into the armpit yeah
7: it's just it's in a nice warm hairy spot
3: and um robertas is if you really don't know i sort of been leading this area in food and culture and sweet, sweet hangs uh, for the last few years. And many sweet hangs. Many a sweet hangs. And now you've put out your first cookbook. Um, first off, why put out a cookbook? Why take on that process that is hard and tough? and? Never oh, difficult?
7: man. Because we are sick of all these people, we want them just to stay home and cook our food at home. <laughs> uh, you, I mean... I don't know. I think I think originally we really wanted to make like a, uh, we wanted to make like an art book. So when we first got into it, we really wanted to like sh- tell a story using the photos that we had we had collected and kind of the illustrations we had collected over, over the years. And we wanted to put all this stuff together. And I think that was really what started this
3: more so than than the recipes themselves. Um, so, you know, the first thing that anyone notices when you walk into the restaurant is a giant hulking wood burning oven it's there most people are not going to have that at home
7: most people don't have that at home although you can Forno Bravo as a website you could actually buy one for your backyard if you're wealthy enough now none of my friends no. or me could possibly have one of those at their house but but, but, but we do adapt the, the recipe for pizza a little bit so people can cook at, the, at their home um, you know it, it's, it, it transitions nicely
3: the hottest we ever got in an oven was we put uh, Japanese coal
7: in inside our, with it,
3: with it, and we cranked it to five hundred. We got it about nine hundred degrees, which is awesome. Which is awesome, and like that,
7: that would do perfect.
3: Yeah, um, but you don't get the the two types of heat. You don't get the you don't get the direct heat.
7: Either. No, so, uh, there's actually there's actually multiple. You know, there's the there's the convection heat which comes yeah. from the dome of the oven from the shape of the oven and and the way, where the flue is it brings hot air over the top there's um, there's uh, infrared heat or um, uh, indirectional heat which is like the heat from the hearth so the slab of, of, of the oven actually heating up from the bottom and then there's also directional heat which is comes from the fire itself which helps for this nice, uh, nice crust nice,
3: this nice char. Nice chart. char Charred. so the outside black,
7: the black spots
3: so outside of pizza what are the recipes you have in the book?
7: Oh my god uh, th- there's a handful of pasta recipes mm-hmm. and and, the, and there's a few you know there's a few like how to's and and actually making making your own pasta <clears throat> and then there's um, the, there's the dough recipe itself and then there's the pizza recipes and then we have we have like you know uh, six or seven uh, like meat recipes. You want me to get specific, huh? But I don't no, have the book let's... right in front of me. There's 60 recipes, so uh, there's salads.
3: Ooh, yeah. I have that. I have your basic salad every every week.
7: This this salad that's right in front of us is so delicious. So, yeah, I eat it every week. I literally eat it once a week, and I never get tired of it. Um, there's baines fried chicken. That's like a old that's some old school. If you hadn't been here for a long time, you probably I remember you, fried chicken yeah. cuz
3: wasn't it's what's his name from uh It was
7: a Carolyn Bain from Carolyn from Tyson when when they when they were down for for a short period of time, she worked here and and we did the fried chicken here and it, it was excellent. That's awesome she it was. It's actually is. really super hard to do because we have such a small fryer and so many people wanted it throughout yeah. the day. It was like we like 86ed it pretty pretty
3: regularly. So and quickly. In addition to the awesome food, what other fun things does the cookbook offer?
7: Uh, it, there's a lot of photos of us partying.
3: Okay, that's a- a, and that's surprising. To you've me.
7: been here for a number of parties. I Actually, have. you've DJed. I do have. you remember that? Do you remember the first DJ gig you had here?
3: Uh, it was in the backyard, do you, and I got thrown up on. Uh, I don't remember that. I I remember being out there and then getting drunk, and then you and I were on the air co-hosting for like three hours.
7: Oh. Was that the first one? I was thinking of the bikini keg
3: stand party. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I remember you getting thrown up on. Yeah.
7: Projectile vomited all
3: over. That was amazing.
7: Yeah. That didn't make it into the book.
3: No. Shucks. Shucks. Um, I do remember uh, you s- seeing you fully nude as you changed out of your cute p- clothing in the I corner. mean,
7: come on. You can't just sit there. I was the MC. I was the host of the party. I couldn't just sit there in my vomit clothes.
3: Well, How many points is that with the uh, health department? <laughs> I don't know.
7: I don't know. <laughs> That's a lot. I'm really glad that they didn't pop by right at that moment. They're like,
3: ooh. Uh,
7: this guy's vomiting all over you. Oh, my God. This is a clear violation. A
3: clear violation. <laughs> yeah, um, so how can people get the book? Buy it okay <laughs>
7: huh. money no uh, Amazon we're, we're selling it here yeah Amazon you can go to, to Roberta's Pizza dot com and it's right on our home page you can you can pre-order it it's not out until the 29th so you can still pre-order it from Amazon Barnes and Noble blah 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 Baldwin whatever there's probably other ones that I'm supposed to be saying but who's your publisher shout them out Clarkson Potter good they uh, do good work they're um, they're you know part of Random House they're they were to work with
3: yes uh, well awesome well I'm gonna finish up the show and then come back there have a beer
7: <laughs> big shout out to my boy Harlow who sat here quietly this whole time
3: yeah shout out yeah. best ba- behaved best kid yeah say what up say what's up
1: Up.
7: nice yeah thanks guys <laughs> out of
1: line. ooh out of source out of time Why did I? How oh, do you know? Where and why? Huh. Huh. Over the garden wall, I'm waiting in the second stall. I wanna see the boy alone. See the boy alone, history that you can roll on the fence and in the window cyclone. You look like that, you lens like the rest, but you, you look like that, you lens like the rest.
3: When did you guys first hear Velvet Unger and Lou Reed?
8: Um, I, was, I think I was probably like 11 or 12, most likely. That's what I remember. You remember the song? Yeah, I was in, well, I mean, I knew who he was, but then I, I was in Toronto. I'm dual citizen. I spent a lot of time there in the summers and such. And my mom was like, oh, you should get this record, Transformer. And we were in a record store and I bought it on the CD and I was just like, oh man, incredible.
3: Yeah, I think I first heard him in college, maybe?
8: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was exposed to Louis a, a little earlier just because, um, mother. <laughs> mother. Yeah. Mother. Pretty much.
3: Well, I want to welcome you guys to the show, see through. Normally, like I said, we start the show with playing a track, but, you
8: know. It's it's... It's okay. It's, it's the right thing to it's do. A
3: different, kind of day. It's a different kind of day. So, you guys want to go around the room, introduce yourselves, who you are, what you do in said band? This is actually an adaptation of this band, but
8: we all love each other, so why not? I'm I'm James. Um, I sing and play guitar. And then, I guess we don't all have mics, so I can just say this. And these are all good friends. Cooper, right here, is a good friend of mine. He's a great musician. He's going to sing with us. And Ari Ingber, um, from Showgirls, is going to play some Shaker. And then, Brett, you have a mic, I guess you could... I <clears throat> uh, Brett and I play... <laughs> That's kind of the gist of this band right now oh, nice. in this studio.
3: <laughs> so, how did you come together? What's your, uh, you know, your beginnings story? Right.
8: Um, well, I mean, I had like a bunch of songs I wanted to do, and I I went to the studio, and uh, you know, I got some of the, my favorite friends together, and we just put it down, and that's kind of like exactly what happened right there, literally. And they kind of like went from there and playing live and kind of like taking it from there. Literally. It just kind of like happened organically that way.
3: That's great because it usually doesn't happen just like that. No, no.
8: I've been in bands and like this is a little different. But um, yeah, it was literally just like had these songs, got together in the studio, and then it's really fun and we're just going to keep going from there pretty much. Um,
3: So how long ago was that?
8: That was like a year ago. I mean, we played our first show way less than a year ago, actually, it was in January. So we probably played like, only in New York, we played probably in like 10 shows or t- a little, something like that. That's about right. Yeah. So it's pretty, this is, it's, it's you know, it's. It's new. It's yeah, fresh. It's, it's new. Yeah. It's that new, new? Yeah.
3: Um, why don't you play us a song? Yeah,
8: we can, yeah, let's do that.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, so here we go See Through live on Snacky Tunes. you were nervous about that sounding good.
8: Yeah, we don't usually play like this, but it's kind of fun.
3: It's fun, right? <laughs> yeah, Little yeah, intimate it's Sunday fun. hangs.
8: It's stripping it's, it's it down to the, to the very... It's naked. So,
3: so now that you have your first uh, set of songs, um, are you writing more stuff?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, we recorded like 11 songs, um, so that's a decent-sized body, and we're kind of playing around with like a bunch of them. And I'm writing a ton of new stuff, but we're still kind of just, like, grabbing from that bunch of uh, tunes. But, yeah, we're – you're going to – if you come to the shows, I mean, there's going to be some new ones thrown in there soon, for sure. Yeah, we're definitely like, working on new stuff.
3: So, uh, as a band and playing around a little bit, do you guys have any, like, pre-show or after-show rituals of, like, eating or drinking? I mean, I see you're doing the beer shot combo to warm it up, but –
8: Yeah, I mean, that definitely happens. Um, You know, tequila on stage. Yeah. can't really say no. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, honestly, we just kind of, like, get together and, you know, get ready for the show. Sometimes we're all in different places. Right beforehand, sometimes we're in the same room. But either way, we get on stage, and it's from there on, that's how it goes.
3: Um, Do you cook at all? Yeah. What do you cook?
8: Um, I mean, I... I personally love, like, French tradition, um, cooking, like, you know, I wish I could be jean George, which yeah. is never gonna happen, ever, but, um, I love, like, the traditional French style, and, like, the herbs of Provence, and all that stuff, but so I always kind of, like, tend to, like, cook stuff like that, love making a little brown butter.
3: Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if butter didn't taste so good. Yeah,
8: I mean, that's literally, like, the key to, like, cooking is butter and shallots, and you can, like, you'll be okay.
3: Yeah, I mean salt, butter, shallots, some pepper. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, let's uh, let's rip another tune. Definitely. Uh, what do we got coming up?
8: Um, this song is called Chemical. That last song was called Forward Motion. Together, <coughs> ready. One, two, three. A chemical reaction is a kid
5: with reaction happening. A kid with reaction happening. A kid with reaction is happening. A of a is A of
3: On the Sunday afternoon,
8: I'm enjoying this. I think we might have to just never. I mean, drummers, like you were saying. I mean, yeah,
3: don't really need them. Oh yeah. You, doing oh, doing uh, <laughs> is the drummer here? No, the drummer's not here. Oh shit. It's okay. Sorry. I mean, what would he play? The, I
8: mean, the floor. I mean, I guess. Maybe.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we we had one guy. We had the Static Jacks, and he did oh, yeah. that. He just like hit his knees yeah. at yeah. the side of the chair. Mm-hmm.
8: Well it it didn't really happen. I mean, it's okay. I we have our 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 lovely Ari playing if you can even hear him over there. It's working. It's working okay, you know, that's how it goes. But
3: um so only a year in, only ten shows under your belt. What's next?
8: What's next? Um well we're just like gonna keep Playing ahead. I mean, we have some like rad shows coming up in the end of the winter, which I'm really psyched about. Such as? Um, well, we're playing a show at Mercury Lounge on the 10th of November with a couple friends. It's going to be you know, what you'd expect, but it's going to be really fun. And then we're playing. Um, barry ballroom with caveman on Ooh. um november oh december 5th real which brooklyn is, show oh yeah and it's it's the uh miss it's the it's the christmas party we're almost there which i can't I, I don't know how we're there i
3: mean it's crazy we just uh yeah halloween's on thursday spooky yeah man we should yeah. have
8: done like a halloween
3: song it's okay
8: They're all halloween songs. yeah yeah and this is, yeah this yeah exactly Hanukkah, don't forget Hanukkah.
3: So the next album's gonna be a uh a storytelling Halloween. I, I'm
8: considering just doing
3: like a album. William
8: Shatner kind of like thing and, and just keeping like just have them play like some vamps.
3: And just just sort of rant over about ghosts and yeah. ghouls.
8: I mean I I just go through so many phases and now I'm like ready for that.
3: Yeah. Your William Shatner face? Yeah. Does anyone ever aspire to a William Shatner face? They should.
8: And if not, then like I'm gonna be the one.
3: That'd but, be so funny. So
8: it's going to be a see-through record, um, and you might hear a couple. You know, yeah, William Shatner kind of. Shat through. Shat through. Oh man, that's, are you going to
3: cover uh, William Shatner's version of Rocket Man? That's ex-
8: that's exactly what I was thinking.
3: That that's like the best thing in the world. Yeah,
8: Exactly. Well, that's you know we're having a really good brainstorming session here for sure. Solving problems. And we're glad to be here.
3: So. Um, well, I want to thank you guys and charlotte and brandon and everybody for being on the show today shout out to their books uh skirt steak and the roberta's cookbook both on amazon um it's good it's good stuff it's good stuff i'm gonna go over there and have a beer with them after this uh and shout out to sundays yeah man shout out to lou reed yes Jamin in heaven
8: satellite of love yeah and that classics we could play that. <laughs> you want to play that? I mean, I probably a bad idea. No, I don't know. I don't know, all the I don't know all the words. I'd have to like get on my phone. I mean, I I know enough, but yeah,
3: Moby played it.
8: Oh right, let's
3: let's just yeah, it was a good idea for a second. We got excited. You got any Lou Reed covers in your back pocket? Oh man,
8: I mean, probably, but it's just gonna be it's gonna be embarrassing. I mean, we're gonna totally screw it up. I mean,
3: yeah, for posterity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean,
8: I God, man, I love Lou Reed, and like, it's a really sad day, and I would love to like pull it out of my back pocket, but I think yeah,
3: it like, was a little number you might remember from the sixties.
8: <laughs> yeah, and then I'm singing like the wrong words. You could just song.
3: do uh, one of his uh, feedback tracks. Yeah, just just, 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 yeah. Here you go. Yeah.
8: Whatever. That's yeah. It's a nice thought. I feel like I'm letting everybody down it's okay
3: it's okay well (laughs) I want to thank you guys for coming by why don't you give us the nuts and bolts of where uh, people can find you online of
8: course um soundcloud you know soundcloud.com slash three us three wow here we go English c hyphen through a couple songs on there and then Facebook you know facebook.com slash see through dot you this is all just the nuts and bolts that's what I would say yeah
3: Alright, well thank you guys. Shout out to Heritage, shout out to Roberta's. We'll be back next week with some more food and music guests. And shout out to Mood for keeping the lights and the microphones on. What's this last track? This is
8: a track called Birds. Usually we have bird noises at the beginning and stuff, but not today. caw Yeah. Well, you, you can do it it's if you want. Like that,
3: right? No, I'm alright. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I mean, that's not the exact... I mean, it worked, though. Yeah, but, it worked? It, yeah. Alright, what's up the mood. It adds some, some delay and you're good.
3: Alright, well here we go. Uh, see-through on heritage radio on snacky tunes thanks for listening we'll be back next week